Where are you at vis-a-vis recovery? Um, well, I'm still, I'm, I'm really tired. Um, I, I feel like maybe there should be a, a, a day of respite in between con and uh, work, and I did not have that this time. So. I think for most people it's called traveling home on Sunday. Yeah, I think you're probably <laughs> right. And I think uh, most other people who are more intimately involved in the con uh, do take Monday off of work. Yeah. That's just how it works. Yeah, I suppose you're right. This voice, this this golden voice, never takes a day off, though. <laughs> no, which no. Which is why it has to sort of no rest for the wicked. Yeah, it's it. You talk so much, and and you you, you lose your voice, and you still have to talk some more, and it's like a, um, uh, it, it's like a Seven Eleven, right? They're mm-hmm. open twenty four hours. Right. Why they put locks on the doors? Good question. So you have to clean and do maintenance and mm-hmm. install that rack for the sandwiches, all right. while we're still open. Right. And so that's what's going on. With this, <coughs> yeah, um, I'm definitely tired today. I'm feeling it. Um, no con crud, which is good. Um, is that what this is? I hope not. The dreaded con crud. I hope it's not con crud. Shook a lot of hands. <laughs> Shook a lot of hands. So maybe that's what it is. Maybe I should have worn gloves like Kristen Bell. Oh my gosh. Does she wear gloves? I probably. I saw a video of her swimming. Okay. And she wears gloves when she swims. What kind of gloves? Like, um, goes up to your elbow gloves? They look... Mm-hmm. No, I mean, not like evening wear gloves. <laughs> right. They look kind of like, uh, you know, washing the dishes gloves. Really? Only they have like a little, um, uh, you know, quarterback... Uh, glove, a football glove, uh, texture on the, on the fingers. Oh, okay. And... Okay. First of all, confession. I was on BuzzFeed. This is where I saw this. Sure. Uh, so don't judge me. And they were like, oh, it's so cute. And I'm like, that's weird. And it the is reason is, is, is that she doesn't like her fingers to get pruney. <laughs> now, I believe it was to you years ago. I said that, gosh, I sure love that Kristen Bell. She, I love mm-hmm. Ragnar Mars. She's great in Frozen. But that is... That is a Jenga tower, which is laser yes. calibrated in terms of the way that everything's put together. And mm-hmm. if one brick goes out slightly, who knows what's going to happen? <laughs> and the and the proof was uh, that the sloth video. Remember right. when they played I the video that. on Ellen about you know her husband was going to show her a sloth or something, and mm-hmm. she just she lost it. Yep. And yeah, that's a machine that runs on. Calibration and control. Yeah. Like she's somebody who needs to be in complete control of everything that's going on yeah. at every second. Type A for sure. And honestly, I can, yeah, I can sympathize. <laughs> They're very similar. I think we can detect each other. But anyway, yeah, that's the kind of person who would wear gloves in a pool so they didn't get wrinkly fingers. How does that work, though? Because... They're sealed up. It's a, it's, a, it's a wetsuit for your, or excuse me, a dry suit for your fingers. Okay. They must be different than the gloves that you do dishes with because I swear when you, the gloves no, they you do dishes have with. No, slack. Yeah. And the water gets up around yeah, the sides. Yeah. And you and get yeah, pruny yeah. anyway. Yeah. No, no, no. Not for this girl. Okay. Only the best. All right. Um, what show? What What is this? <laughs> Just enough uh, rating celebrities' quirks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think is what it's called. No, it's called the Just Enough Trope Podcast. I'm your host, Caliban, joined by my co-host. Hi, I'm Mikan Hana. And we're here to bring you a wrap-up of Convergence 2018. That's right. 
as if our little shows from the con floor weren't enough. This is the um, live on tape sort of wrap up of the year of 2018 at Convergence mm-hmm. Natural 20. That's right. Which I took to mean role playing. I, that's games. what I took to mean as also, well. Also, of course, the 20th anniversary, right. 20 years of Convergence, and really sort of celebrating everything, mm-hmm. every single year so far. And what a perfect time to think about the future. Yes. As if you were in the movie Batman from 1989. <laughs> um, I've seen the future. Yeah. And it will be downtown. That's right. And we can talk about that in a little bit. Other than the long, drawn out <laughs> bit of information you've already given us, how are you? Um, I'm... I'm surviving. Uh, you know, I, I think it was it was a good year at Con. I had a lot of fun. Um, worked hard as well. Um, but I, I think it was a, a productive year. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, we can talk a little more later. I, you didn't have to give it all out now. But, um, yeah, it was productive. Uh, this is the first year, I think, that I worked more than I had fun. That's not a good thing. Well, it depends on, you know, what you're there for. Yeah. And it depends on what you want to get out of it. Mm-hmm. And ever since we um, started this little thing of ours, um, it, Con has been something, it's been a business event and it's also been a vacation. Right. And this is the year that it was way more business than it was vacation. Mm-hmm. And the business side is fun too. Right. But you look up and it's 6 p.m. on Sunday and you're like, whoa, <laughs> where did the time go? Right. Um, I did I get to do all the things? Did I get to do any of the things that I thought I would have wanted to do? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't know. We're gonna have to think about the uh, next year. Will be new for us too. Yes, because we're either gonna have to really lean into the business side or try to back off and have some more fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not to have agree. a business meeting on the air right now, but that's just what <laughs> I'm suggesting because I don't know how uh, how I feel about this. Um, I know what I do feel good about, though, and that is the great conversations that we had with people and the content that we reaped from the work that we did on the business side. And mm-hmm. we are bringing all that content to the listeners. Right. And we're starting this week with uh, some interviews and some talks that we had from the show. And this is a feature that um, traditionally we, we let it run to the end of the month. Mm-hmm. So every week we're going to come back with more interviews with guests that we talked to uh, at the show and uh, some sort of impressions about this and that. Uh, I thought this week we'd uh, kind of focus on the comics side. Okay. Uh, we'll uh, we'll do news in a little bit, as we sure. usually do. Uh, and then in a little bit uh, after that, we'll be talking to James Kikalios. Okay. Uh, Dr. Kikalios is um, a professor, instructor. What, how do they prefer to be called? Probably professor. Teacher uh, at the <laughs> U of M in <laughs> physics. Uh, but he's also a super nerd. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yes, he is a level 18 nerd, uh, especially when it comes to comic books. And he has given uh, a talk at Convergence 2018 about the physics of the Infinity Stones, Mm -hmm. uh, which we can talk about uh, when we get to that segment. Uh, And also we talked with him uh, and did an interview about similar subjects. Right. Uh, We talked to him last year as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's got a couple books we'll talk about in a little bit. And then um, we did a, uh, or I um, modded the uh, Infinity War panel. Yes. This year, Mm -hmm. um, which is becoming something of a tradition. Yes. Yes. because I did the Avengers one two years ago. And like two years ago, I decided to do a little crowd work mm-hmm. uh, before the panel, which I really enjoyed doing. And the question two years ago was, Cap or Iron Man? Right. The question this year was, was Thanos right? Mm-hmm. Give me a yes or no. And so we've got a little uh, geek on the street 
live audio from that event. And that is just about it. Maybe we'll give a few impressions of some of the uh, cool costumes we've seen. I'll tell you one thing about my life right now. Yeah. There are 100% less uh, people in cat ears uh, in my life right now. (laughs) Or some of the other amazing uh, costumes that there was at the con. City Pages did their sort of yearly, uh, we sent somebody out with a camera. Right. And I wish that they'd like take it seriously and like write an article because this would have been a real good year to write an article about it. write an article about it. And we can talk about that in a little bit too. But I think first we will stick to tradition and do the news. If I make it the whole way. You will. I may not get there with you, but I'm going to the mountaintop. (laughs) And you might have to do it for me. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Let's get to the news here. Uh, I wanted to talk really fast about, of course, the big Marvel release that was this weekend, which is Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yes. Which came out. uh, It actually debuted. It was number one at the box office. It debuted a little bit below expectation. Uh, It was $76 million. I think they were shooting for the $85 million range. I think when you say um, 85 or 95 or go to a five, Mm -hmm. you're... Stretching. You wanted 90, but you're like, I don't think this is going to make 90, so 85? Right. When 80, 80 is probably more realistic. Uh-huh. And this didn't quite make 80, okay. so nobody can tell if it's a failure or not. Uh, it was number one. It did more okay. money than um, uh, the first Ant-Man did, I think, uh, internationally or, or total, globally. Okay. And so, I mean, what do you want? That's it's an good, improvement. Right? Yeah. But for a July 4th weekend blockbuster from a major studio... Uh, Disney, which is running the table everywhere else, is this a solo? Uh, I don't know. Good I don't question. know either. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know. I mean, I think it's a good thing that it did better than the original movie, um, because that speaks uh, highly of it. I think it's good that it was number one. Right. Um, it's too bad it missed the what they were hoping for, but. Disney has so many irons in the fire. It's hard to really get super disheartened about when something doesn't quite See, do as well. That's the conventional wisdom, but Hollywood is anything but conventional. It's, you might say, unconventional. True. And they view each one of these things as, you know, its own event. Mm-hmm. There's no way, you can't just, this isn't the land before time here. You can't do number 18 and just, you know, hope to sneak out some money on video. Like every right. one of these things is the next big thing and i agree with you that i think that they people just wander into a movie especially now if things like movie pass and all the competitors that are being ginned up for uh from to movie pass mm-hmm. people just wander into a movie yeah there are things that you like the incredibles is the most successful animated film of all time mm-hmm. um and it just came out like two or three weeks ago right and it was great but i don't think people are really like pissing themselves over it. Do you know what I mean? We already kind of stopped talking about it. Yep. So that movie could make a ton of money and not have a ton of buzz, except, yeah, go see it. It's the next Incredibles. Mm -hmm. So that's fine. But this is like, we took this property, Ant-Man and the Wasp, two people nobody know anything about. Yeah. Plus, it's not like, where's Bucky now? Like, they're the kind of comedy joke joke characters. Uh, They're side characters. And the fact that it scared up almost $80 million... On July 4th, beating mm-hmm. everything else, that's pretty good. I think it's pretty good. Well, somebody get to Disney and <laughs> Kevin Feige and tell them it's okay. I know. I mean, do you think this coming after Infinity War, do you think this hurt this film? 
Possibly. Or or do you possibly. think this film was always going to do about what it did? It, it, it's possible. I mean, I, I always wonder these days, maybe I'm not like plugged in enough or like talking on the street. Maybe I should do some more geek on the street type stuff. But I didn't know if anybody was going to come to the Infinity War panel because yeah. it came okay. out and it was it came out fairly early, you know, in the year for mm-hmm. a tentpole. Um, everybody loved it. Mm-hmm. It was very controversial. But then I haven't heard anybody really talk about it, except they're doing this thing on Reddit now where they're going to ban half the users on the Thanos was right Reddit page or whatever. Oh, boy. Uh, good one, guys. Nice, nice. joke. Um, but other than, the, other than that, I haven't seen like a lot of people I know aren't still talking about it. And so mm-hmm. I thought, well, this, you know, but no, it was, you know, there's 200 people there. It was like totally full. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. But we haven't seen it. No, we haven't. But that's extenuating circumstances. Yes. We were we were conning. I wouldn't have to weekend. talk during it. Oh, we should definitely see it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, a couple more uh, Marvel movie blurbs here, okay. as far as the news goes. Something that we I think had uh, speculated on, but we now know will be true, is that uh, Samuel L. Jackson will be de-aged in Captain Marvel okay. to fit the '90s sure. uh, sort of setting of the film. Sure. Going along in the same vein as de-aging Michael Douglas. Uh, which I haven't seen the film, but I know they do do again in Ant Man and the Wasp, right? As they did in the first one, mm-hmm. making what was it? Some YouTube videos like making seventy-year-old Michael Douglas look, look like sixty-year-old like 60 Michael, Michael Douglas. Douglas. Yes. <laughs> Woo. Uh, and of course, like Michael Douglas, there is plenty of photo reference for the uh, tech wizards to work with. So right. it shouldn't be tough at all to no. de-age Samuel Jackson. Plus, looks great. He does. So there's not a lot of work they have to do. I was going to say, what are they really going to do? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it remains to be seen if they will age Brie Larson up for her appearance in oh, Avengers 4. good point. Or are they going to say she's got like superpower juice, so she doesn't really age that much? Where do you get that superpower juice? <laughs> and what flavors it, does it come it in? It depends. She got hers from an alien. No, so. for a lady, you don't have to. You just um, pull her hair back real tight. Um, not a lot, but a little, maybe a little less concealer or just a little shadow under the eye, you know, to make it just a tiny bit sunken, but still flawless, dewy, you know, (laughs) and have her not smile a lot. And she's got that part down. So I think we'll be okay. Uh, we won't get into that. And then another uh, Marvel movie uh, news bit. This is actually on the Sony side, but still Marvel. It looks like the Into the Spider-Verse film is, uh, trucking, trucking our way. It's supposed to come out this Christmas. All right. We now know that. Spider-Man Noir will be voiced by Nicolas Cage. What? Oh, my goodness. Yes. That's pretty amazing. Yes. Um, Can you tell me what Spider-Man Noir is? So Into the Spider-Verse, I'm guessing, will be um, just, you know, it will involve the Spider-Verse. Right. Which is a meeting, a... um, uh, Conflagration, wrong word. Conurbation, also wrong word. Congregation. Congregation, that's the one. Uh, I don't know why my brain doesn't work, if my voice doesn't, um, of all the Spider-Men from alternate realities. Sure. Uh, We're Marvel. We've got, DC's got all these different worlds, worlds, but we're Marvel. Uh, Also, there's like a million Spider-Men for some reason. And so uh, we've already seen that Peter and Miles will be in it. I think Miles will be the ostensible protagonist, but Peter will also be in the film. And it looks like he'll be meeting some other people. We've seen Spider-Gwen in a trailer. Yep. It looks like Spider-Man Noir is going to be there. I'd have to imagine you're just, you're shooting yourself in the hoof if you don't have 
Peter Parker, the spectacular Spider-Ham <laughs> in it. And so it'll be that kind of thing. And Spider-Man Noir is, um, I don't know, can't remember who came up with it. I think it's a little style over substance myself, but it's sort of like steampunk Spider-Man. Okay. So he comes from either a universe that's still in the 30s or a universe where Art Deco survived into the 21st century. Sure. And it's kind of like Batman the Animated Series Spider-Man, basically. Okay. So he wears a leather coat like the Rocketeer, and he's got guns and goggles and that sort of thing. <laughs> okay. So does he have a helmet like the Rocketeer? Um, his spider hat or mask might be a helmet. Okay. You know the Rocketeer? Yeah, I know the Rocketeer. Well, if you do, you're supposed to go to the Rocket Who? <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, I don't know what Nicolas Cage can bring to that. <sighs> I... I I don't know. Because you kind of think that like the noir guy would be like, yeah, careful, she, I'm Spider-Man or something like that. And not like, not the bees. (laughs) I'm fighting swarm. He's going to be super Spider-Man enemy swarm. The bees. Right? (laughs) Uh, No, Spider-Man noir. We're not going to steal the Declaration of Independence. We don't need that. (laughs) Uh, Something along those lines. Who knows? Want to talk about a Star Wars property, which Uh, is Marvel adjacent? Sure. Looks like uh, rumors say that actress Carrie Russell could be cast in episode nine in a, get this, action heavy role. Yeah, I heard about this. We get it. Variety, or wherever the story comes from, <laughs> is in every role in Star Wars an action. Jar Jar had an action-heavy role. Yeah, very good point. Yeah, um, so that I doesn't mean, tell us anything. I, uh, if you don't have an action-heavy role, you're part of the Senate. So, and we all know how boring that is. Which is just one person. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, Palpatine. Mm-hmm. He is the Senate. You're absolutely right. Um, yes. Uh, so, um, thoughts. Um, I'm not crazy about her, but apparently she's a thing. So, um, yeah, uh, I was never really into Felicity. Um, uh, she, you know, the Americans is really big. I think we watched some of the first season of that and that kind of, I don't know. Uh, it was interesting for a while, but then I think the premise kind of played itself out. Um, but I guess that's not really her fault. Yeah, this is kind of a review of the Americans for You're you, right. season one, huh? Um, so, so I don't know. No real opinion. I guess she. Could I don't be... have an opinion either. I never watched Felicity. I never watched the Americans. Really, um, was she in some films or something? Anyway, that the point is, film? I don't know anything about her, but she is, by all accounts, you know, a very capable actress. Mm-hmm. And so, my problem with this is, is that. And we're careful, careful. Star Star Wars talk, right? What's the <laughs> the Death Star alarm sound or or the whatever it is? Um, I, we've had the Force Awakens. It's too much like right. Uh, we've got Last Jedi. Uh, what are you doing? It's crazy. Purple hair, right? Then we've got, we don't know what the ninth movie is yet, but we know that J.J. Abrams was back. Yes. So the people who didn't like Jedi could take solace in the fact that we're going to go back to J.J. stuff. Right. People who didn't like Seven can get pissed off because it's not going to go in this exciting new direction. It just looks like lose-lose. Right. Uh-huh. And the exclamation point on the lose-lose for me is him casting his pal. 
<laughs> Gary, right. Gary Russell. It doesn't seem like, it isn't like, we, lo- we looked at 6,000 actresses, and when unknown Daisy Ridley walked in, mm-hmm. we knew right away, this is it. Right. This is the, the woman that's going to take us to a new generation right. of Star Wars. And so far, they were right. Like, they nailed it at 100%. Mm-hmm. This just feels like J.J. scrambling to me. It's like, yeah, yeah whatever. Uh, he's already working on something. Uh, well, what's Carrie up to? Yeah, get her. Uh, get Grun- Greg Grunberg in a bigger role back in here. Um, the guy that played Ben on Felicity. What's going on with him? Right. He just went back to his Rolodeck and was like, right. Holdo's dead. So get Jennifer Garner to play um, the green haired lady that'll piss fans <laughs> off in the next one. Oh, my God. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like if he just cast it, uh, it's a couple. Uh, what's Matthew Fox up to? Problematic. Very problematic. Oh, my God. Careful. Uh, and it was just like that. Then. You'd be like, ooh, this is bad news. And I right. think this is the beginning of bad news. But it just seems to be all bad news with Star Wars. It, I want to be excited about these films, but I think you've made the point before that there's going to be so many more of these films. Like, they're yeah, they going to be all... coming out like every two years or so. Yeah, and, and they don't all have to be good. Right. You know what I mean? But I don't want them to be bad. I don't want to hate Star Wars, you know? Well, don't hate it then. Uh, I didn't like Last Jedi, but I, you know, there's going to be another one, whatever. Yeah, I, I enjoyed People Solo. are losing their minds, and I don't, yeah, I liked Solo too. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, we don't want to start a whole Star Wars thing here, but wrap it up. It just doesn't look good. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's like you shake the magic eight ball, and, and Outlook does not look good. Right, and it's just a stick guy going, yeah, like shrugging. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, speaking of toxic fandom, it looks like Netflix is taking away movie reviews. What? They will not let people review uh, films. Now, 98% of people who use Netflix do it on a device, mm-hmm. um, on a um, gaming console, or on their right. phones or whatever. So you never even see reviews anyway. I guess you don't. They really only exist if you really dig in and if you're on like PC or something. Okay. They have been worthless for years. I suppose. There's this bit that I used to do about how bad the, like just go to the um, reviews for dear white people Mm -hmm. and you don't have any sharp objects or like loaded weapons around when you do because you will either take yourself out or take other people out because of how bad humanity looks based on the reviews the netflix reviews for dear white people okay so yeah i say let them go why not go for it are we gonna have no ratings no percentages whatsoever no i believe that we're talking about reviews not ratings okay so you can still well they kind of got rid of ratings too yeah but you can thumbs up thumbs down or whatever okay and this isn't the only platform that's doing this this is spreading now a lot of platforms are just saying screw it and just getting rid of the ratings Um, I mean, is it just more of a headache for them to keep track of or? No, it's probably easier for them. There's nothing to keep track of. Okay. I mean. Is this, is this the, the wave breaking and rolling back? It might be. Of expression on the internet. Um, And I'm total, just asking neutrally, don't have a feeling either way, not trying to say anything either way, but this the last few years, if nothing else, have been almost solely defined uh, in societal terms by how much you can say on the internet mm-hmm. and, and how much is too much and all that stuff. Uh, this is a show about comic books. Uh, right. This is where we are. No, it's also about social issues. Um, are we starting to see that come back now? 
because people will always do whatever they can get away with. Not that they're getting away with something bad, but people will express themselves, blah, 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 whatever. That's why people, the death threats and all the horrible things that they do, you know, there's no consequences, you know, if you're just screaming into a, into a, a box that, you know, yeah. And, but the under, the internet is underwritten by corporations mm-hmm. and by organizations mm-hmm. and they sort of regulate it and control it. And so have they finally hit a point where they're like, okay, shut it down, shut it all down. Why, why are we doing this? Maybe. We maybe thought what consumers don't... wanted was the freedom to just say and do anything. Uh-huh. And even though we don't have, we don't feel a sense of societal responsibility, the practical aspect of it is it's just become not worth our time to really sit here and maintain this horrible <laughs> cauldron where people just throw the vilest shit at each other. Probably because I have to imagine, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of really positive reviews, but I have to imagine to every positive really? review, there's like twice as many negatives. But the pos- well, okay. I'm just talking about in terms of like being good to your fellow man. Okay. Then there's the aspect of, have you read positive reviews? <laughs> Each one of these, I feel like each I one have. of these people are not. It's not a Pauline Kale sliding into your DMs here. It's just it's a five star, and it's like this is great. I was real hungry, and I had some chili, and watched this movie. Good times, right? So that's where I that's worthless as well. That's not yeah, gonna right. cast us into the into the abyss. But yeah, I say get rid of them. Okay, why not? All right, make it simpler. Yeah. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Yeah, I agree. Uh, movies. Guess what? Hmm. Stanley Kubrick yeah. is an enigmatic guy. I was aware of that. What if he had had another um, 10, 15 years of life and he made it to this point? Would he be on the, the, the Twitters or would he just block everybody? <laughs> um, I don't know. I kind of feel like maybe he would be tearing up the Twitterverse. Um, <laughs> you think so? Yeah, maybe. Famously reclusive director, <laughs> Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> maybe if he had a place to shout into the void, he would. Um, um, but, yeah. you know, I could see him blocking a lot of people as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, if he had Twitter, he wouldn't have had to put all those tiles on those streets. What? That's just, I don't know, look it up. That's, okay. that's a deep cut. Well, it turns out that he may have explained the ending of Space, uh, excuse me, 2001, A Space Odyssey. Really? You remember the ending of that? Famously um, obscure. What yeah. the heck's going on? Right. Space Baby, I don't know. Yeah. Spoiler. Mm-hmm. Um, he was being interviewed for a documentary about paranormal paranormal experiences and I think he was talking about The Shining. Okay. Uh, I don't know. This is the point where he was still talking to people, I guess. Sure. Of course, The Shining came out that year, so maybe he was a cross-promotion thing. Well, the raw audio of this exists still, and it was sold uh, on VHS on eBay in like 2016. Okay. And somebody combed through this, mm-hmm. and they found a clip of Kubrick talking about the end of 2001. Huh. And he basically just explains what's going on with Dave in the room and all the things and then baby and all that. And I won't give it away here. You can find it online. But yeah, it's so explicit that it has many people calling that it's a fake. Really? And I wouldn't know, honestly, this is how reclusive. I don't think I'd know Stanley Kubrick's voice if you just played it to me. Okay. But yeah, I've heard it and it just sounds like a guy talking about 2001. Okay. Huh. Well, I mean, how would why would you fake something like that? Notoriety. 
I guess. Yeah, but you're right. I, I didn't look deep enough to see if it's like, and we're selling the tapes. You can get your own explanation right. of 2001 at the, yeah. Right. With a space baby keychain. <laughs> yeah, I didn't I didn't look that deep. But yeah, I mean, why would somebody fake it? it yeah. yeah. It just seems like, why would somebody go to all that trouble to fake it? So. Yeah, I agree. I think it's probably him. I uh, agree as well. Um, what I really want to hear, though, is the taped phone calls between him and the studio uh, while they were shooting Eyes Wide Shut. You need which how much is, more money? Which is a notoriously It's been two film. years, Stanley. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, one more story before we go, and this is a story that would have, um, I think that James Cacalios would find to be pretty cool. Okay. It looks like scientists have uh, broken their quantum entanglement record. At 18 qubits. What does that mean? Does... Break down the science for me. Any of that make any sense at all? No, it just sounds like gobbledygook. What it means is, and I don't exactly know uh, myself, uh, but is the idea that scientists have uh, discovered or hypothesized and now they can experimentally test this idea that particles can be entangled, quantumly entangled. Okay. Usually particles can only, as far as we, uh, classical physics says, particles interact with each other, you know, in, uh, at relativistic speeds, you know, so mm -hmm. it's like, if you are in a spaceship and I send uh, radio, uh, you know, Major Tom, are you out there? Mm -hmm. um, it'll move at the speed of light. Okay. Um, that's the only way that um, you can get a message from me at that speed. Okay. No faster. Otherwise, the universe doesn't make any sense um, by the sort of classical model. Well, if two, you have two particles that are entangled, quantumly entangled, mm -hmm. if you affect one, the other one should be affected as well. Okay. And it should happen over any distance. Okay. And this was, you know, they theorized this early in the 20th century, Um when uh, quantum mechanics as a theory, you know, was um, de being developed or debuted. Mm -hmm. And that's, Einstein didn't like it because it didn't fit sort of his model. And he sort of nicknamed it spooky action at a distance. Okay. But the, here's the thing about uh, quantum physicists. You, you can't insult them because <laughs> they'll take anything. <laughs> They're like, you know how like we call ourselves like, hey, I'm a lib cucktard. <laughs> and right. that's, that was supposed to be something that like, you know, yeah, I'm an SJW. That's right. Right. Um, that's what quantum physicists are like. Because you say God doesn't play dice with the universe. And we're like, yeah, we're dice players. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was an insult. Sorry. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah. So it's like this spooky action at a distance. And scientists are sort of playing with this. I think mostly at this point, I mean, if this was science fiction, it would be for long range communication devices. Okay. You know, if you've got a block of, of uh, entangled matter at one end and one at the other end and you can use it to like send a, you know, an Ansible transmission to wherever. Okay. But this is mostly, I think, for quantum computing. Okay. Which, if they get worked out, will revolutionize computing. It'll be, you know, a million times faster than what we've got right now. Huh. And sort of that sort of thing. Okay. Yeah. This was at the uh, Chinese University of Science and Technology. Okay. Very cool. What would you do if you could go anywhere at any time? Oh, boy. Um, uh, this just kind of reminds me of Draymon, the anime. He has a... <laughs> set myself up for this one. Doko Demo Doa. So there's a door that can take him anywhere. Like, he opens it in one place, and he goes to the place he wants to go. Uh -huh. That's pretty cool. It's like a TARDIS. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
I'd like to be able to do that. Like, I'd like to be able to go to Japan, just like open the door and then I'm in Kyoto, you know? Sure. Um, or, I don't know, travel lots of other places. Like, how about go backpacking through Europe, except you don't have to do the backpacking part. You just <laughs> travel to the next city. Sure. Something like that. The backpacking is part of the fun, though. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Um, that's cool. What would you do? That's very, it's very manga. I guess it is. Cool. <laughs> uh, it depends on how it works. I guess I'd like put on. Well, how does it work? Is it so? It's a literal door. I guess. Um, this is my scenario. So it's I, a door that it's with the doorknob. You open it up. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I'd put on a spacesuit, mm-hmm. and I'd put the door in a like a vacuum chamber. Okay. Right, and mm-hmm. then I would just set it to for other solar systems. Okay. And that way you could open it up. And I just open it up on the void of space. That's fine. And we'd just be light years closer to, you know, whatever star it is. Sure. Stars that are closer, I guess I said you can go anywhere. So maybe stars far away. Although you might have to be careful. You couldn't just open it up next to a black hole or something. Like the radiation would destroy right. you. But And that way you could maybe just point your telescope through the open door. Okay. Sure. Or point your, you know, your d- detectors, uh, gamma ray detectors or whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, and, and get information that way. Okay. Because that's what people, you know, there's so much, uh, there's so much things to see um, in the uh, night sky or, you know, or in our skies. Right. And they always do that thing where you um, look at, oh, here's the night sky. See the Big Dipper? Ha, huh, see it? Mm-hmm. What about this little, you know, 24 pixels here? And then they'll zoom in and it's an image from Hubble. Or like a deep field, mm-hmm. and there's oh, see all these stars? Those aren't stars, jackass. They're galaxies. Right. You know, there are twelve thousand galaxies in these twenty-four pixels alone, or something like right. that. Right. Yeah. So, need a lot of doors. <laughs> need a lot of real doors for that. Yes. Well, now that we're in the physics mood, let's throw to our interview with Dr. James Kakalios. We interviewed him at our fan table, which was open Saturday and Sunday. And if this is a, like a long distance ad or commercial, we're probably going to have a fan table next year on Saturday and Sunday, right. as has been our tradition for a couple years. So we sat down with him and talked physics and comic books. And here it is. You've been doing panels and things today? Yep. Uh, yes, I just finished the Ant-Man and the Wasp panel. Oh. So I had um, to rush out no after spoilers. <laughs> to see it so that I'd be able to talk about it. Spoiler-free uh, thumbs up, thumbs down review. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Awesome. Yep. yep. Did you get a chance to, was the uh, spoiler panel? Did you guys just talk about the Yes. Film? Oh, okay. Yeah, so everyone there, and they announced it. It was like less, less atten- densely attended because of that. In fact, you know, a couple of people said, they said in the description of the panel, there's going to be spoilers. Yeah, it will be spoiled. And Because uh, you really can't talk about the movie. No. Um, and just based on the trailers then, otherwise. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we can talk about the science here. Okay. Uh, is there any chance at all that you could do what Scott Lang does in the film? That Are is... we starting now? Oh, yeah, we're going. Oh, okay. Great. <laughs> <laughs> We've been okay. on this whole time. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't clear. Um, uh, yeah, so actually... I have given this more thought than the average physics professor. I can imagine. <laughs> and um, so 
I think that it relates to, in terms of shrinking, it, and you say there's, there's these pin particles. Yeah. All right. So what does it really mean? If you were to reduce in size, basically you either remove atoms, mm-hmm. um, because we're made of a certain number of atoms, uh, you remove them, but then you have a problem of where do I put them and how do I get them back when I need them, Right. Uh, when I want to grow back. Uh, you either uh, push the atoms closer together, but they're already in direct contact mm-hmm. in, because you're mostly a solid with some liquid. Sure. And um, if you try to push them closer together, the electrons of two different atoms start to repel, and the harder you push, the more they repel. Sure. And so that's going to be very messy, yeah. and it's not going to get approval by the Comics Code Authority. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, and uh, so the only other way to shrink would be to make the atoms themselves smaller. Mm-hmm. Now, what is it that sets the size of an atom? It's quantum mechanics basically predicts something called the Bohr radius, which is the, the average size of an atom or so, or a few times the average size of an atom. And, and the Bohr radius is a collection of fundamental constants. Planck's constant, the mass of an electron, the charge of an electron, the Greek uh, uh, pi is in there. So the thing about those fundamental constants is that they are constant. Right. <laughs> and right. they're unchangeable. So presumably the PIM field enables one to vary the magnitude of these constants at will. Uh-huh. If you could change, just makes Planck's constant 10 times smaller, the size of an atom would be 100 times smaller, Okay. and you would go from 6 feet down to, you know, a, a few inches or, or less. And have the same mass? Uh, so here's the pop. So here's the deal. Sure. Um, when you shrink, you either can do it at constant density, in which case you've lost mass because your volume is reduced, yeah. or you do it at constant mass, in which case you have the same mass that you had at full size, but now compact. Right. If, if, you're, doing, if you're shrinking at constant mass, if you sit on an ant, that ant's not going to be very happy. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so presumably he's shrinking at constant density, but then there's a question of what happens to the mass. Right. And this is my other part of my theory. <laughs> my theory has two parts. <laughs> part B um, is that, so what the PIM field is, can interact with the Higgs field. Okay. The Higgs field is something that was predicted and then and recently verified is a field that permeates space with which particles interact. And depending on how they interact with the Higgs field, they acquire mass. Oh, okay, sure. And so electrons interact very gently with the Higgs field, so they have a small mass. Protons and neutrons interact more strongly with the Higgs field, mm-hmm. so they have a larger mass. They, how they interact, the mass is reflected, say, in their inertia. How, how hard is it to push them? Sure. The quantum of the Higgs field is the Higgs boson. Presumably the quantum of the PIM field is the PIM particle. Okay. If part of the suit, part of what Hank PIM has invented, enables changes in coupling between the PIM field and the Higgs field, sure. you can change mass at will, which is why in Ant-Man he can ride an ant, 
But then when he punches someone, right. he doesn't punch them with the force of an ant. Right. He punches them with the force of a person. Right. And so he can change his coupling to the Higgs field at will. Yeah, maybe it's in the gloves or something. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my theory. Okay. All right. Yeah, that, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, in a relative well, way, <laughs> in a comic book well, way. Well, and the, the fun thing about using superhero comic books and superhero movies to talk about physics is it gives one an opportunity to talk about some real physics. Sure. For example, I just explained the Higgs field and the Higgs boson yeah. in the context of Ant-Man. Right. Yeah, and speaking of gauntlets and, and bosons and whatnot, uh, we went to your um, Infinity Gauntlet uh, Science panel the other day. Okay. Had a uh, great uh, presentation about that. Thank you. And loved hearing about uh, Emmy Noether and her work. Right. And you talk about these constants, and is that what Thanos is doing with the gems? Are the gems just altering some of those constants of the universe? Yeah, presumably that's right, that they're enabling, in essence, like cheat codes or hacks mm -hmm. to the fundamental physics principles, yeah. to the notions of space and time, to the uh, notions of conservation of energy, conservation of electric charge, which gives you the mind, mi because you can control electric currents, right. you have control of minds, um, So, which by the way is also why he's able to, the mind stone, if it controls electric currents, is why it also works on the vision, okay. which does, who doesn't have normal, you know, brain type thought currents, but yeah. uh, electrical currents nonetheless. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, so the idea there is that Emmy Noether, a brilliant mathematician from the early part of the 20th century, uh, proved that if the equations of physics have certain symmetries, that implies conservation principles. So if it doesn't matter what time of day you do a measurement, you get the same answer, that time symmetry leads to conservation of energy. If it doesn't depend on whether I do the experiment here or across the room, that spatial invariance leads to conservation of momentum. Okay. And so, um, presumably, the infinity stones are manifestations mm -hmm. of these symmetries and these conservation principles. Interesting. Or at least six of them. Yeah. Um, uh, that is, it's not 100%, even, even within the context of this argument, <laughs> um, it, you have to have various amounts of uh, wiggle room or shading or tap dancing to account for what's seen in the gauntlet, what's seen in the movies. But once again, it, I just now talked about Emmy Noether, the most famous mathematician that no one's ever heard of. Yeah, right. Uh, a brilliant woman who had an amazing career despite really fighting against gender and uh, religious persecution mm. throughout her life and um, accomplished a great deal, as, as I said at the end of my talk. Nevertheless, she persisted. Sure, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I love that idea of those gems being sort of a manifestation of uh, how we can interact with those constants. And of course, it's just cooler to have a name like the Mind Stone or the Reality Stone than the, um, the Strong uh, Nuclear Force Stone right. or something but, like though, that. Though, of course, you know, uh, I always thought a great title for a comic book story would be The Gauge Invariance. The Gauge Invariance. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a thing. <laughs> uh, you're a comic fan as well, so I know yeah. that you're familiar with the Infinity Gauntlet story. How did you think they did in adapting it to the screen? Oh, I thought they did a great job. And if anything, actually, I think Thanos being, seeing himself as the hero trying to save the universe in his twisted and insane mm -hmm. way... Mm -hmm 
made for a much more interesting and compelling story than simply he was trying to to mac on Impress the death, yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> trying to like get a date with death. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so I I thought that uh, you know if anything you know that if Thanos is the protect first of all there'll be spoilers I guess people are okay with spoilers. Yeah, it's been out for a while. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if if Thanos is the protagonist of Infinity War. He is, you know, he's the one who drives the story. Yeah. And at the end of the story, he wins. And a bunch of jerks are trying to stop him from doing the right exactly. thing. Exactly. Yeah. And he does it. And like he says, what did it cost you? He said everything. He cost yeah. a, a, a tremendous sacrifice because he honestly believed in his twisted way yeah. that he was saving the universe. Yeah. Halfing the people as opposed to just snapping his fingers and doubling the resources. Well. Which <laughs> never occurred to anyone. To his plan, but yeah. <laughs> Um, something that uh, I miss from the comics, uh, I think kind of dovetails into what you're talking about, uh, representations of these forces, is the cosmic beings. Yes. Is uh, chaos and order oh, and all so, those things. So, yeah. I mean, what was, what was so amazing about the Infinity Gauntlet was the stakes kept getting raised. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the snap occurs, you know, in the very first issue of the six-issue miniseries. You had that face-off battle between everyone mm-hmm. uh, who still survived and Thanos. Um, I think we might still have a scene where it's going to be mano a mano against Captain America. With Cap? Okay. You know, last man stand. Sure. So it, it was a little bit of that. A little bit. Um, and uh, I still want to see... I, Mjolnir's gone now, but I still want to see Cap uh, prove himself worthy by uh, lifting oh, a weapon. Oh, I think he's going to lift that Stormbringer. The Stormbringer I think, And we know, we've seen that Stormbringer can pierce Thanos, yeah. even when he's possessing all six stones. Yeah. I think that glove is coming off, okay. whether Thanos wants it or not. Okay, sure. I, I think, uh, <laughs> uh, this is my theory. Uh, yeah. So, uh, we'll see. Okay. Um, do you see the uh, cosmic uh, beings or cosmic Marvel coming to the cinematic universe? You know, it. I mean, who would have thought that we would have gotten the Guardians of the Galaxy movie yeah. when we did, yeah. even early in, in the middle of phase two? Yeah. Right? I remember the posters for it before it came out. They said, they said like, you know, August 15th, whatever the date was, said, yeah. you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't hold. So if, given that they could pull that off, yeah. and if, if Fox, if, if Disney does buy Fox and does control um, uh, the Fantastic Four, yeah. uh, they, get, they then get the rights to Galactus and Silver Surfer. Yeah. They get the rights... Um, I could see them introducing cosmic beings in the form of, say, Galactus. Sure. Um, they have kind of jokingly introduced the Watchers yeah. in Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. Volume 2. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the Nova Corps. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But, I mean, in terms of, like, beings that are manifestations mm. of... I mean, who knows? We had Dormammu, though not the Dormammu that I was expecting to see. Yeah. You know, a guy with a flaming head. Right. But um, we've had Dormammu. Maybe in Doctor Strange 2 we get Infinity. Yeah, okay, sure. I can see that. Yeah, I mean, it's... And, and so once you've got those personal manifestations of, of abstract concepts, it's, you know, then all bets are off. And whether they could do it, I mean, if anyone can. Marvel yeah. will be able to pull it off. Oh, absolutely. I could totally see um, like Eternity showing up in uh, yeah. Doctor Strange or something like yeah. that. Yeah, you know, exactly. If he's, 
he's protecting the universe. Yeah, and I, and I, I could see Galactus showing up as a big bad um, for Phase Four mm-hmm. because Thanos presumably is going to be addressed one yeah. way or another. How do you top Thanos at this yeah, point? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So it would have to be something like a, a, a cosmic being that is beyond good and evil that eats the planets the same way that we eat salads. Sure. And we don't worry about the bacteria that are on the salads. Yeah, right. Exactly. Or uh, or an annihilus, an annihilation wave. Uh, there could be that. There could be that. The yeah. negative zone. Yeah. That could probably be explained like where the Fantastic Four have been. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. They were uh, we're back. Any any mail while I was gone. Right. <laughs> Where's Willie Lumpkin? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Tell him to stop wiggling his ears and get over here. <laughs> uh, how long have you been coming to Convergence? Uh, 20 years. 20 years? Wow. I, I missed two of them for you know personal family reasons. Sure, sure. Uh, but I came to the very first one. Okay. So 18, I've been 18 years. We talked 18 to, times. But, 18 times. But we talked to a fan who had also been coming for very long, and he had a pouch, and he kept all of his badges from every year. Uh, and it was like geological strata. He showed us going back what the badges looked like. I, I, so I have it, but it's in my briefcase at my uh, hotel room. But I have the badges from the other two times when I was guest of honor. Okay. And they had made up personalized badges. Oh, okay. And in one of them, Chris Jones drew me as Mr. Fantastic. Okay. <laughs> so instead of a four, it had a K. Sure. And I had a word balloon that said, the K stands for action. <laughs> and, and the second time I was a guest of honor, he drew me as Dr. Doom taking off the mask and there was my face. It was you. Which was so horribly <laughs> scarred and so <laughs> hideous. <Broken mirror>. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> okay, all right, cool. Uh, well, thanks for joining us today. Um, last time you were on the show, we talked about your book, The Physics of Superheroes. Yes. Uh, do you have any other books or anything else you're working on? I do. So, um, it, after Physics of Superheroes, I wrote a book, The Amazing Story of Quantum Mechanics, okay. which uh, addresses the question, We here we are in the 21st century, our science fiction pulps and comic books promised us that we'd have jetpacks and flying cars, and what we got instead were cell phones and laptop computers. Right. And in 1926, uh, Hugo Gernsback starts publishing Amazing Stories, the first science fiction pulp magazine. Also publishing in that winter of 1926 was Erwin Schrodinger, publishing the Schrodinger Equation. Okay. Sure. So quantum mechan- modern quantum mechanics begins within months of the first science fiction pulp magazine. Yeah. So you have these two visions of the future, one that's going to lead to death rays and one that leads to the laser. <laughs> sure. Um, and so uh, I talk about how we, the science fiction pulps thought that we'd have a revolution in energy, mm-hmm. which is really what you need if you're going to have a jetpack yeah. or a flying car. Yeah. We can have jetpacks, but we can only carry so much fuel on our back sure. that you can only fly for a few minutes. Yeah. Whereas what we got instead was a revolution in information. Uh. And the information revolution was made possible by semiconductor and solid-state physics, which in turn was made possible by quantum mechanics. So I talk about how quantum mechanics, I don't talk about the theory, I don't talk about the philosophy, I talk about how useful it is Mm -hmm. and how quantum mechanics leads to transistors Mm -hmm. and magnetic hard drives and MRIs. My most recent book, which came out in paperback a few months ago, is called The Physics of Everyday Things, Mm -hmm. The Extraordinary Science of an Ordinary Day. And it follows you throughout a busy day. You wake up and you turn off 
the smartphone, the uh, alarm in your smartphone, mm -hmm. and then I zoosh in and tell you how the physics of how that works. Okay. And then you make some, you toast a bagel for breakfast, and I tell you how your toaster works. Sure. And there's some quantum mechanics, thermodynamics, electricity, and magnetism, sure. all just to make a piece of toast. Right. <laughs> um, you drive into work, you use, a, you have a hybrid automobile, you have an easy pass on the expressway, you, you get your destination on a GPS. I talk about how that works. You go to the doctor, you get a checkup. You have a digital thermometer, he does a sonogram. I tell how that works. Uh -huh. You go to the airport, you go through TSA security. You put your arms, you go in that phone booth and you put your arms over your head. Right. You say, I surrender. Right. Um, <laughs> I tell you how that works. Um, you, you fly, you have some noise canceling headphones, you look at your, your tablet. I talk about the plane. Um, you give a business presentation, you have a microphone, a laser pointer, yeah. the LCD projector. And then at the very end of the day, you go to your hotel, you um, uh, go down the hallway, the motion sensors turn on the lights, mm -hmm. uh, you ch go to your room, you open the door by just putting your key card against the door. Right. Goes, Boop. Right. right. I talk about how that it's works. All physics. Um, the flat screen TV and the remote control. Sure. <laughs> and then you go off to sleep thinking, where's my flying car? Yeah, right. <laughs> right? You're surrounded by this amazing technology, and throughout it, throughout your day, it follows you. I'm just like coming in, popping in, and say, the motion sensor is actually detecting the infrared radiation that you give off. Sure, right, And right. talking about how those work. Did you ever read the uh, William Gibson short story, The Gernsback Continuum? No, I haven't. It's uh, in his collection, Burning Chrome, and it's about this uh, author who's doing um, a photo. He's a photojournalist. He's doing a piece or a book mm -hmm. on old-style um, 50s gas stations. Remember the old like yeah. chrome? Sure, sure, sure. Look like they're sure. in the future. Yeah, yeah. And as he oh, yeah, yeah, right, right, takes right. more and more pictures of these things, he starts to have these visions that come out of nowhere when he's driving on the road at night of like Zeppelin blimps yeah. and mooring towers yep. and metropolis cities. And he thinks that he's slipping into another reality where we got that that Gernsback amazing uh, yeah. stories sort of thing, and he's got to try to get out of it somehow. It's oh, that a very sounds interesting very cool. story. I'll yeah. look that up. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, yeah, you can always tell that you're not in the future predicted by the science fiction pulps for the absence of Zeppelins We're in all, the skyline. Yeah, and the mooring uh, <laughs> masts and everything. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for, so much for joining us. Where can people find you online? Uh, oh, um, you at kakelius.com. Okay. Uh, you can find information about my books. I have a blog that I irregularly post to. My theory, which I think is going to be wrong, of what happens in Avengers 4. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, if, and also my prediction of the title, which I know is certainly going to be wrong. Avengers, Avengers with half of humanity gone, hunting for an apartment is a breeze. <laughs> so <Sure>. thanks, Thanos. <laughs> I don't think that's right. The real estate war is yeah. over. <laughs> that's right. right. You fought in the real estate war? <laughs> right. <laughs> Not anymore. And so, uh, Kekelius.com, and also I'm on Twitter, at Jim Kekelius. Okay, great. Well, thanks for being on the show. Oh, thank you very much for having me. Always a pleasure. Screw the door. What would you do with an infinity gauntlet? Um, I don't think I'd snap my fingers and make half the world disappear. Um, I'd probably make sure there's food for the rest of the world or, um, you know, renewable energy or something like that. Everybody says that like they're so smart. <laughs> if, you're, if you're talking about the universe, if we're working on a universal scale, mm -hmm. then first of all, the human intellect is not prepared to work on that scale in the first place. But perhaps... 
that's what the power and the mind gem or the space reality stone can can help you increase your consciousness mm-hmm. um, that's actually one of the um, conflicts in the book is that sure thanos is like super strong and like super smart and cool and all but if you give him six stones that give him power over all of reality maybe you can't process that information and that's right. the slight advantage uh, or disadvantage that he has that the heroes can try to exploit um okay so you make a bunch of food mm-hmm. now how do you get the food to all the places um With the I... gauntlet? I can you snap your fingers and just put a happy meal on every single table on every planet in every galaxy in the universe? I would love to be able to do that. Um, but maybe maybe uh, I also increase transportation. So there's um, a lot of snaps. Yeah, this is like a, a real groovy song here. <laughs> I suppose you're right, because one thing ad leads to another. Yeah, um, but he solved it real quick. Yeah, he did. I mean, um, he negatively, did. I mean, he didn't. Because, of course, we, we have the same problem, you know, if you're working on a universal time scale. At some point, there will be more people. It, if it's perfectly balanced, you know, the first, you know, birth at General Hospital, mm-hmm. it's not balanced anymore. You're right. <laughs> or what about the... Or the first death. Yeah, or what about other planets where um, there's got... So if there are... And this is something... Scale is a crazy thing, too. Because if we're talking, if he's literally talking about the universe, then he's talking about infinity. I know right. it's the infinity gauntlet, but he's talking about, even if it's not actual infinity, infinity minus one galaxies, planets, and everything else. Mm-hmm. So that means that on some planet, um, his snap, it's very unlikely, but in an infinite universe, it's possible. His snap killed all the women on that planet. Oh, you're right. And that's called Planet Reddit. No. Um <laughs> So Red pill. now there is just men, and if they can't clone them up some women, they all die. Right. So you didn't help that planet. You disadvantaged that planet. You disenfranchised right. that planet. Even if it was 10% of the women were left compared to the men, it's going to be real tough. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not a good solution. No, it's not. I don't think he thought this through. No. Now... Here's a segment with me deriding people for telling them, for them telling me it was not a good solution. I talked to uh, some of the people, the attendees of the Infinity War panel at Convergence in a segment I call Geek on the Street. And here's what they had to say. It was pretty rude, but I'm going to interrupt your, uh, interrupt your text. Uh, was Thanos right? No. Why? Well, that's a long... That, that requires a long answer. Give me the short version. He's just... Even if, even if it was necessary, he's just going to have to do it again when the population bounces back. That could take forever, though. Didn't take forever to get there the first time. That's a good point. Uh, let's say heads, if you, uh, heads you live, tails you die. You picked the right thing. Ah, uh, You're alive. Well, that's... You're overjoyed. Seen the movie. We know that. We know that's not true. <laughs> it's not a great universe to live in. Excuse me. Can I ask you a question? Was Thanos right? Uh, a hard question to answer, but overall, I think motives pretty solid. But the way he went out and round it, definitely evil. Not great. Interesting philosophical question. Does doing the wrong thing for the right reasons mean you're a good person? It depends on who you'd ask. Personally, I definitely don't think so, but it really depends on how you'd look at um, lawful evil versus neutral evil versus good evil. You're going Gygax on me here. I love this. All right, let's see how you do. 
Tails, I'm sorry, Thanos has killed you. Correct. Doesn't change your opinion? Um, well, I'm dead, so there's not too much I can... That's, <laughs> that's very practical. Hey, uh, was Thanos right? Um, no. Why? Um, I honestly don't know. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna even wait here. Heads, you live, so you get to decide. All right. Um, he's right. Okay. Might makes right. Excuse me, sir. Yes. Was Thanos right? Um, right is relative. <laughs> um, but he had the right idea. He just went about it in the wrong way, and there were probably better options given the powers that he had. It's nuanced. Yes. A coin flip is not. You live. Yay. <laughs> sir, sir, I have to ask you, was Thanos right? I would say in a way, yeah. In a way. Elaborate. Well, I kind of agree with the guy behind me. He had the right idea, but mm, there are different ways that he could have gone. Yeah, our universe has problems. It was a drastic solution, though. Like, for example... Mm, Increasing the size of the universe could be a possible ability. Yeah, that's true. All right, well, now we're going to put it to the test. I'm going to flip a coin. If you get heads, you live. Tails, sorry, you fade away. You get to live. So now that you're alive in this universe, would you be a counselor to Thanos? Maybe give him some of your good ideas. Sure. Okay, all right, I'll put in a good word for you. Thanks. Hi there. Was Thanos right? Um, In a way, kind of, but... So, he had good intentions, but he could have just as easily created double the amount of things, or um, what he could have done, he did not take into account that the population will eventually just regrow and reach that same amount again. So, uh, he should have taken into account max population density. He seemed to be really intent on doing exactly what he did, snapping his fingers, wiping out half the universe. Why do you think that is? Uh, because he's the mad titan. <laughs> Yeah, he's kind of insane. Yeah, yeah, he's the mad titan, exactly. Uh, heads or tails, heads you live, tails you die. I guess you don't get to really make any more decisions because you're going to fade away. Okay. Any last words? Um, Mr. Stark, I don't feel so good. Perfect, perfect. Hi, guys. Uh, both of you, together at the same time, was Thanos right? Nah, no. Okay, both say no. Why? You first. I mean, he doesn't have any hair. <laughs> wow, bald shaming. And you? Uh, because he was opposed to Doctor Strange in the film, and Doctor Strange is never wrong. Okay, I can see that. All right. Uh, <laughs> all right, we're going to go with that. Uh, let's see. Uh, you're going to go together, guys. Sorry. Heads you live, tails you die. Sorry. Sorry, you both fade away. Do you think Doctor Strange can save you? Well, one way to find out. <laughs> there is literally only one way out of 14 million ways. If you're listening, just pretend that I'm, I'm clinging to Aaron right now and, and be begging him to let me stay. I don't want to go. You have to cling to Steven. He's going to help you. He's going to save you. Excuse me, sir. Can I interrupt you for a second? Was Thanos right? Yes. Yes. Please explain why. Because he used to be left-handed and now he's right-handed. All right. Not okay. I hope we get tails on this one. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I mean, fortunately, you got heads. You get to live. Could Thanos make everyone left-handed instead of right-handed? No. No. The power of the Infinity Gauntlet couldn't do that. No, the Doctor Strange would 
get all he'd get all twitchy and the cape would be all you know <laughs> i can see that okay all right thank you excuse me ma'am was thanos right no no why because he doesn't have the right to kill half of the population of the universe i'm not a i'm not not on your side but uh doesn't with great power come great power <laughs> that's how that goes right <laughs> no all right, well, let's, let's find out your destiny here. I'm going to flip a coin. If it's heads, you live. If it's tails, you fade away. You, oh, you already died. You're going to opt out? On a website. I, I, was, I was killed for the good of the universe, apparently. That's more official than this, for sure. So, thanks. <laughs> Sir, excuse me, uh, was Thanos right? I think yes, he was. Explain why you think that. I think he was right because he had given his own planet Titan as well as Earth and who knows how many others the chance to actually improve and evolve and change their ways, but they did not. So he kind of assumed absolute power and did it for him. It's like extreme urban renewal, really. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, let's put that to the test. I'm going to flip this coin. If it's heads, you lift. If it's tails, you fade away. It's tails. What are your last words? Uh, I was wrong. <laughs> it was wrong. Ma'am, I don't mean to interrupt you, but can I ask you a very important question? Was Thanos right? No. Explain why. Because there's so many other options. He could have just created more food and housing or maybe taught people about birth control. You didn't have to kill half the population. Okay, all right. Uh, I've heard that a lot, that uh, it's all about uh, creating more resources. Where do these resources come from? He could just create them. He has... Can the gauntlet do that, create something from nothing, or is it rearranging matter and energy? Mm, I actually don't know. I should pay more attention in that physics of the infinity gauntlet. Or don't we live in it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't we live in a closed system? Well, maybe he could take things from other dimensions. Uh, or maybe uh, turn empty planets into more food or something like that. There you go. There are other options is all I'm saying. Okay, there's always options. Well, here's your options. Tails, you live. Uh, sorry, heads, you live. Tails, you die. Not going to change it up now. Heads. Yay. So now you can uh, continue. Would you counsel Thanos to do the things that you're uh, suggesting? After I lived already? or Yes. Well, it's too late because he ruined the gauntlet. Oh. Well, we're screwed. <laughs> Thank you. I didn't mean to like shock anybody, but yeah. it was a little sobering. Was uh, it? When the argument is intellectual, and they're like, "Well, I think that Thanos uh, should have considered uh, the, the real ramifications of a Malthusian catastrophe, or whatever, whatever, <laughs> whatever it is," and then I hit the button and I go, "You're dead now," and they're like, "Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, this plan sucks." Did you get any responses that were surprising to you? Um, there, um, uh, yes and no. There were more people. I just thought, you know, it was like the Cap and the Iron Man thing. Mm -hmm. Who's the good guy here? Right. You know, Tony Stark's like, well, you know, it's a very complicated sort of thing. And we need to register. We need to make sure that uh, we're putting ourselves in check and control. And the other guy's like, uh, I punch Hitler. So, like, I don't know if you know <laughs> right. which side is the good side. Um, End of story. I punch I, Hitler. Yeah. I fought the Nazis and also uh, super soldier Hitler with no skin. Right. Got him too. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm the good guy. So I thought everybody would say, oh, Thanos is wrong. But there's a couple people that are like, no, I don't think he's, even if his method was wrong, he's onto something. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little frightening. Well, honestly, over the weekend, and many people on the panel said this, and when the movie was brought up in other places, this was talked about, about how... Him trying to impress a girl, like him being a big purple right. incel, is like, was dumb. 
And I don't think it was dumb, but I do think that what they gave him has more depth as a motivation. Okay. Or maybe more seeming depth. Mm-hmm. Because I think that honestly, it just feels to me like, what's hot right now? What's a problem right now? Right. And it's fun to cast our real life problems, put a cape uh, and, uh, and a mask on, on the problems we have and sort of deal with them in a fantastical setting. Mm-hmm. But you're not really proposing any solution. No. You know? Mm-hmm. And insofar as we know, this wasn't like a problem. It's a problem because he says it's a problem. It's not right. like in the upcoming 17, 18 films in the Marvel Universe, uh, it'd be like, dun, 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 dun. well, we saved the galaxy again, guys. Let's go. Right. And as they fly off, Glenn Close is like, but there's too many people on this planet. <laughs> like, this has never been a problem or mentioned by anybody. No. Except this guy has been going around and just halving planets. <laughs> his entire life. Yeah. And he thinks it's his problem. And there is there is no... He spo- he, for, for his... Motivation being bullshit, he is a surprisingly like sympathetic character, mm-hmm. uh, but his motivation is bullshit. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like there was even a thing where I know Tony's been working on clean energy or something. It's a problem that we know that we have, right. but it's not like he's jogging in Central Park and telling Pepper about his dream and they keep running into people because there's too many people. Right. And, you know, Charlton Heston is tying on his kerchief and he's getting ready to to start yelling. Right. About Soylent. Um, <laughs> so... Does Thanos in the movie is it uh, infinity? Is it is it galaxies and universes, or is it just Earth that he affects with his snap? I think it's I think it's everybody. It's everybody. Yeah. Okay. I think that the well, it's just like everybody on Earth. Then, like a tree that's not from Earth. Right. But, right. Um, okay. I, yeah. Good point. I think that to sell the emotional impact, there was no. That's why they saved the beeper scene for like the end credits i think because mm-hmm. they could have cut to peter serafinovitz d- disappearing in glenn close's arms or something like that right. actually they're all dead aren't they he ran xandar on his way to um, yeah to that's Earth. true um but they could have cut to somewhere else and you know we'd see it i think we're supposed to assume that it's it's everywhere okay yeah now all right. here's my question mm-hmm. if it's indiscriminate he's already gone to the Zenoberi planet and killed half of them do they get halved again? Or are there uh, planets that get skipped? Did the planets that he's already gone to get skipped? Because he's already covered them with yes. like a check mark or a star. Right, yeah. Um, and we don't, we don't touch that one twice. We've already been there. I don't know. I kind of think they get halved again, as depressing as that is. Yeah, probably. Um, I, the the I don't whole thing think, is really dumb. Yeah, I don't think it, anybody gets excluded. It fades away or falls apart when you think about it at all. And... I think him trying to impress a girl is something we can hang something on. <laughs> it's just That's my true. opinion. But yeah, but that would have been kind of dumb. Yeah. You just introduced a lady who's literally deaf. Yeah, I know. <clears throat> I know. I'd kill half the universe for Kate Blanchard. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, um, one last thing. Um, I heard that <laughs> something that came up on the panel uh, that I was pretty sure would, that I don't think we got a satisfying answer to, was was he eligible you know, for the snap. Oh. So he, all he says is he's going to snap his fingers and he's yep. going to eliminate half the universe. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say it's random, but I think we just assume. No. He, he actually, at one point in the movie, he says, pure chance or something like that. And uh-huh. so, so is he up for it? Um, we already know that he is in contact with right. the producers at Marvel Disney uh, <laughs> because he snapped the right people uh, out of the of the Avengers. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> because of you know future movie concerns. Right. Uh, but otherwise, it's just totally random, I guess. Mm-hmm. But could he have been included? Um. I feel like the consensus at the panel was, yeah, he would have taken it. I, I feel like it, that but was I their think... consensus, but I at the same time, I don't think he really would include himself. No, why not? Because um, I think he thinks he's above it all. Yeah, um, and That's what megalomania means. Right, yeah. right. Um, yeah, whether consciously or unconsciously, he's still a tyrant. Right. <laughs> Anybody with the balls to say, I know how to fix the universe, kill right. half of it, and I'm going to do it. Right. That's not a person who I think... Consciously or unconsciously, definitely not unconsciously, puts himself on that list. No, I don't think so. Plus, he can't go farm, be farmer things. I, at the I end. know, right? Whatever's going on there. <laughs> um, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, that was our uh, talk with James Cacalios. Uh, I always enjoy talking to him, and I definitely want to have him on again in the future. Well, if you like both comic books and physics, I think his books might be a good fit for you. You can check out his book, The Physics of Superheroes, which is a look at the physics of the world of superheroes. Pretty Mm -hmm. self-explanatory. His most recent book is called The Physics of Everyday Things, and that is available on Amazon and as an e-book and all the places you can get that. So go check that out. They're both very good books. Um, I would recommend that you click on the links in our show notes mm-hmm. uh, in our description because it will take you directly to Amazon where you can buy them. And when you buy them by clicking through our site at justenoughtrope.com, a little bit of that purchase goes back to us. That's right. At no extra cost to you. And it helps keep the lights on and keeps me in cough drops. And that's <laughs> how we like to do it. And if you've already got the book and you don't need it right now, you can always go to patreon.com forward slash just enough Trump and chip in a buck that way. Chuck in a buck to keep the (laughs) show going. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, fun time. Thanks again to James for talking with us. And I think that's it for this show. Feels good? Uh, yeah. Feels good. Um, do we want to talk about the future of Convergence at all? Yeah. I guess. You guess? Is there anybody who is touched or untouched by the situation this year? Um, I don't think so. I mean, I think there are a lot of people who are feeling bittersweet about uh, this year ending because it was last year at the Double Tree in Bloomington. Um, but it's probably about time that the con moves because we've honestly outgrown that space. So, um, are you Miss Brightside? I'm trying to be. And then like negative Ned is going to come peeling in (laughs) on his, on his Harley and say what's, that's a very, that's a very positive spin that you put on it there well i'm trying to be positive about it um, i don't really know what the i mean i'm not really like i'm not on concom or whatever like i'm right. not like really in the fabric of the thing but right. I, I know people that are and i and i know about the drama that's been going on and mm-hmm. so you know i wonder about just hey i'm gonna wear my costumes and go check some stuff out like if those like the rank and file general attendees like no what's behind it mm-hmm. i i don't know the answer i don't know the answer it doesn't really matter either i guess it doesn't really matter um but it is best that we move yeah i think so um but and geez i know 
Jeez. I mean, can we just say, what, what, what pricks? I, I know. I know. The, what the hell? The management of the hotel were kind of jerks this year. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't think they needed to be. And I think they, they wanted us gone. Yeah, well, so yeah, they made that perfectly clear. I too hate money. <laughs> it's the worst. I know the con. Er, How are you going to pay for your money? mini fridges and your microwaves now? I know, assholes. I know. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm not a grudge keeper and I'm not a bitter person, but jeez, I know it's going to be a long time before I stay in a double tree. I yeah, I know, right? Even though they have those chocolate chip cookies. Which ones? They have chocolate chip cookies that they give you for staying in their rooms. Well, because they're the only producer of chocolate chip cookies on earth, it's going to be really <laughs> tough for me to not stay in a Doubletree or a Hilton. Oh, but all right. It's actually going to be tough in general because it's like 51% of hotels are Hiltons. It's but true. Yeah. So anyway, man, what the hell? I know. But you know what? We stayed together anyway. Yes. And that is the strength of the community of Convergence. And also, I mean... We'd be remiss to not just throw it to the ConCom, mm-hmm. all the volunteers that worked yes. on it, the, uh, the organizations and the workers and the machinery behind the con that yes. kept it going. You know, nevertheless, it persisted. They worked really hard. Yes, um, and they made it work for this year. This thing happened. Um, anyway, next year, and I didn't have any fun. I know, <laughs> but that wasn't their fault. No, no, it was a it was a beautiful show. Um, Next year, um, the theme is the next celebration, um, and it's about reboots and reimaginings in science fiction. Cool. Yeah. So, and we're going to be at the Hyatt Hyatt Regency downtown. Right. Yeah. Which works out for us. Yeah. A couple blocks away. Right. Exactly. So I want to rent out the spare room. Okay. Um, what's the limit? Six, do you think? <laughs> Six nerds that... just packed in chock-a-block? Wow. <laughs> uh, I guess so. Uh, throw your luggage in the storage room. There you go. <laughs> and you can change into your costume in the hall. That's true. No, it's really amazing. And uh, my thanks and kudos go to the con staff that, like Thor in Ragnarok, when he's going... Ugh! And he's just holding that thing together. Yep. He's just holding it together so he can get this done and forge this hammer. Mm-hmm. Uh, they metaphorically forged the hammer. Right. So, yeah, they were all worked out. Yeah. And honestly, as far as the next generation goes, and <laughs> when did they pick that? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I'd like to know what got erased when, before that was written I, in. I know, right? Uh, the year after next, I guess. Mm-hmm. But we'll definitely have a great reimagining, a rebirth, if you will, mm-hmm. to look forward to. Yeah, I almost think probably so. called it like, probably worked on Phoenix, Egg Phoenix, right? Harry Potter. Is it too Harry Potter? We did magic right. a couple years ago. Oh, <laughs> uh, what the hell? Just call it the next generation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. Um, well, so. I, I can't wait. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to it, too. Uh, our audience can look forward to more interviews with guests from uh, Convergence of 2018. Like who? Uh, like Melissa F. Olson. Yeah. Paul Cornell. Yeah. Uh, Victor Raymond. Do I have to, don't, okay, that's like a pretty good tease. Okay. Some guests of honor. Yeah, some guests of honor, yeah. for sure. And some guests of dishonor. <laughs> no, just... <laughs> 
That doesn't apply to anybody. No, it doesn't. No, no. Uh, yeah, we'll have more interviews coming up as we release more shows in uh, in this month, uh, usually coming out Sunday night. That's when our shows come out. Mm-hmm. So hang on and listen to those. You can also find us on Just Enough Trope on Facebook and Twitter. And we might have got a shout or two up on Instagram, but again, yeah. pretty busy. Not a lot of fun. Busy. <laughs> yeah. uh, but you can find us on all those social medias at Just Enough Trope. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher and on Google Play Podcasts and all the normal places that you would normally find a podcast uh, show yes. thing. <laughs> Point your podcaster in that direction. On the subject of podcasters, yep. podcatchers. Um, my, uh, my Zoom is shot. You're kidding. <laughs> well, the hardware works. The software is dead. Oh, no. Long-time listeners will know that I am a Zoom aficionado, and I literally have three of them. Uh, the software that you use to plug it in yeah. needs an update, but the update server is dead because Microsoft does not update it anymore. Oh, my gosh. And so it just keeps calling out and doesn't get anything, freezes up, doesn't even work as a music player or a podcatcher anymore. So now I... Here I go into the next generation of finding a new podcatching software. Oh, my goodness. So I don't know. If you have a good podcatcher, stop by Just Enough Trope on Facebook, Twitter. Tweet or message us and let us know what you use because sure. I'm in the market. Okay. And also, if you're looking to buy a gently owned, gently used Zune, <laughs> I can hook All you the up there. Peter Quills out there. On social media as well. All right. Careful. <laughs> But anyway, uh, when you find us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or the other platforms, if you give us a rating, we would appreciate it because that's how we move up in the ranks. The higher, the better, because that's how the algorithm works. Right. We've learned about this. Yes. From uh, Kimmy Schmidt. Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah. Um, Al Gore invented this this rhythm. Yeah, because he invented the internet. It's the Al Gore rhythm. That's right. And that's how the software knows okay i'm breaking down remember i told you that you would have to carry yeah that's carry how this, the that's how this, the software take this knows burden for me. um that we're doing a good job i can't ca- but i can carry you <laughs> the sound of you falling over trying to pick me up oh come on uh we, we'd be terrible hobbits yeah. uh, but anyway yeah uh please give us a rating because that's how they know we're doing a good job and i'd say give us five stones yes that control the constants of the universe mm-hmm. um which sounds dangerous. Yes. You probably need all six. Probably do. Is one of them a fake? I don't think so. That's but what like, they, they do that in one of the comics, and I've heard fan theories that that's what they're going to do in the movie as well. Is one of them fake? That's like why the it breaks or something. Time stone is fake or yeah, something? Yeah, like Strange did something with it. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Okay. We'll see. All right. I saw, um, I don't know, it was on Discovery or something like that. They were talking about these like 20 or 25 kind of constants in physics, in astrophysics, okay. that make, you know, if they, one was slightly different, the universe would be totally screwed up. Okay. And they represented it as a guy in a sort of like a spaceship or something like that looking at the universe and he had a bunch of sliders like a like a mixer, like a sound panel. Okay, sure. And then he'd like, let's change the gravitational constant. It's like, oh, okay. now stars can't form and, oh, and everything's all messed up. Okay. Or, let's change the, the nuclear forces, you know, to be stronger or weaker. Oh my so. goodness. I kind of want to do that. <laughs> if I had if I had the Infinity Gauntlet, that's what it would be. Okay. I wouldn't kill half the population, but you would stand there and like I would adjust the horizontal and the vertical, like the outer limits. Oh my goodness. <laughs> You'd look around you and see, you know, oh, he's playing with the hue now. Everybody's purple. <laughs> Ooh, Everybody's would like purple. that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's too much power. No one should have this power. 
<laughs> so instead, give us five stars. We'd Sounds appreciate good. that. And that's it. Like we said, we'll be back later in this month with more interviews and more talk about CVG 2018 and looking forward to 2019. That's right. And until then, we're signing off. I'm your host, Caliban. I'm your co-host, Mikan Hana. Keep the geek fires burning. <laughs>